five after 12 here on the uh, Christmas Eve edition of the Dr. Payne Show. Dr. Lou making me work. Look at you. <laughs> Again, we agreed to it in. together. Do we? I think so. Is that yeah. how the email went? Yeah, you said you were going to be here anyway. Cody's shaking his head back there going, no, not at all. Great, making me sound like a slave driver over but, here. Big time. But we're here. Uh, the phone lines are open, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You've got pains. You're feeling pain, numbness, pain, back, neck, headaches, whatever. We'll do it all. Fibromyalgia, carpal tunnel. We discussed everything on the show has to do with that. But we always start with uh, with some cases that have come by your uh, your clinic in uh, the week that was. What, uh, what's been happening yeah. lately? Uh, tons of cases have come in, and, and I, don't, I don't really want to talk about a particular case mm. as much as a certain symptom that I've been seeing a ton of in the last few weeks, and we've discussed it a lot, a lot on the show, is the, the numbness and tingling. Okay. Um, and it's incredible how many people I've had come in uh, that have numbness tingling in their hands, have been told it's something like carpal tunnel, right. have done all the treatment towards carpal tunnel, uh, not getting better, and then we're able to look at it and figure out, okay, it's either coming up from higher up in the arm or as far as the neck, and we treat those areas, great improvements. And we're also seeing the same thing where people um, are coming in with numbness and tingling in the feet, and it's actually the opposite effect there. What most people get told when they have numbness, tingling in their feet is it must be their their back, the right. disc. Yeah. Uh, and so a lot of people getting treated for that pathology, coming in, uh, reassessing them, noticing, no, it's a peripheral entrapment. Peripheral entrapment is essentially the nerve comes out of the spinal cord and then has to go through a whole bunch of structures to get to where it has to get to. Uh, and a peripheral entrapment, it just means that maybe a muscle, a joint, some some place where that nerve is passing is entrapping on the nerve and causing those uh, symptoms. And then we're able to find where the peripheral entrapment is. You treat that and the people are getting, they're just getting better. Tons of numbness and tingling. It's incredible. I, I've always seen a lot of numbness, tingling, uh, type of symptoms in my private practice, but definitely since we've started this show and the people that I've been seeing as a direct result of the show that have come in, it's incredible how many people are mismanaged when they have numbness and tingling. And I guess for most people, it's one of those scary things where they're not really sure, you know, why would I have numbness and tingling? Right. And, uh, and like I said, for whatever reason, it seems when the numbness and tingling is in the upper extremity, uh, it seems to be associated to carpal tunnel, which is an example of a peripheral entrapment. Uh, and and oftentimes I I've tend to notice I can't I don't have research to support it, but definitely definitely in my clinical practice I've noticed that uh, the majority tends to come from higher up in the neck. And then when they have numbness and tingling in the lower extremity, it's attributed to the spine. And right. then oftentimes it's something else. And I would say. What I've noticed with the lower extremity, a lot of the times that mimics a disc issue is what's called a piriformis syndrome. Okay. Uh, so there's a muscle um, in the uh, just below in the butt area, essentially, and it covers where the sciatic notches, which is a little hole in the bone where the sciatic nerve comes through. And if that muscle, it's an external rotator of our mm -hmm. hips. So we're using it all the time when we're sitting, when we're doing anything, right. when we're walking. So that muscle tends to get really, really tight uh, and put pressure on that nerve. And then you start getting that sciatica type of pain. And it just, for whatever reason, uh, healthcare professionals uh, tend to just say, yeah, it's a disc issue. And then they're treating the low back person's not getting better because it's not actually the low back. You got to go a little bit lower, treat the piriformis, release that muscle, symptoms get better. Piriformis, that's what that's what Greg last hour was talking about. He slipped and fell on ice and okay. it, that, that was the muscle he banged up. He's hobbling around like he just, uh, yeah. just came it, back from a rodeo. It, it's an external rotator of the hip. Uh, and again, it's, it's a very problematic area, especially for the fact that uh, the sciatic nerve 
bundle passes through that muscle. And so a lot of the times, uh, once it's aggravated, it's not just that the muscle itself gets aggravated, but mm-hmm. it puts pressure on the nerve. And now you start getting the numbness, tingling, uh, burning sensations. These are all neurological types of symptoms when you're talking about burning, numbness, tingling, pins and needles, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. There you are, Greg Crasco should be seeing you. Yeah. I think he had medication. <laughs> that's all he was giving. I'll have to, I'll have to send him an email and see, uh, what's going on with them. So what's, uh, what's the difference between, you know, say it's diagnosis and people find out what, what, what are these practitioners not doing to miss it that you're finding to, to get it? Um, well, again, I, I think a lot of it comes down to depending on where you're going, uh, you know, the more common causes of numbness and tingling in the hands would be something like carpal mm-hmm. tunnel. And I think a lot of, and, and this is by no means that you know, we, we can't we can't determine uh, probably a lot of the people that I'm seeing, I'm seeing them because they want a second opinion because they've been mismanaged. But I'm sure there's a lot of people out, out listening to us that have had these issues and have been told the right diagnosis. Uh, but I think the biggest thing for healthcare professionals, especially when you're very busy, like you go to a walk-in clinic or a family doctor and they have so many people waiting and they have to go one after the other after the other, uh, you just tend to rely on what you think is going to be the most common cause of that type of symptomology. And so if the person says numbness, tingling in the hand, well, you know, if you looked at the the list of what's most common, you'd say carpal tunnel and you just use that as kind of, you know, that's what it is. Right. And, and in all honesty, assessing musculoskeletal issues, neuromusculoskeletal issues, the things that me and my team specialize in is not easy. You have to really get in there. You have to poke around. You have to do a lot of orthopedic testing, neurological testing. The full history, the assessment takes time, half an hour to 45 minutes. And how many people can tell us that they've been to their family doctor or walk-in clinic and have had that type of length yeah. of time? With a practitioner. In fact, a lot of specialists don't even spend that length of time with with uh, with patients. So I think neuromusculoskeletal issues, the things that we're here talking about, the things that more often than not cause um, the pain complexes, uh, take time to diagnose properly. And and for whatever reason, in the in the system that we're in, there just seems to be a lack of time for the healthcare professionals. But you know, that's one thing I won't waver on with my team. We're we're not going to sacrifice. Time. We're going to take our time with every single person and get to the right answer. And take time to call that number, one 855 doctor Lou or info at paincarecanada.com. Our phone lines are open here at the station as well till 1 o'clock, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. The Dr. Payne Show, talk radio, AM 640. 12.15 here till 1 o'clock. Inviting your calls, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Free consultations, by the way, uh, with Dr. Lou. And you go to info at paincarecanada.com or one eight five 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 doctor lou D-R-L-O-U. Bring on your calls. The weirder the symptom, the better. Let's see if we get to the bottom yeah, of it. Yeah, right? I, lo- I love getting, like, when I've had a lot of people call me after the show to talk mm-hmm. with me or come in for the free consultations. It is incredible the amount of things that you hear, the symptoms. Like, you... You, you know, you go through school and you hear the textbook cases and right. it all seems like that's what you're going to see. And then you get into the real world and people are telling you the things that they're experiencing, that they're feeling. It is incredible. Uh, I, I love the challenge from a from a professional standpoint. I love hearing these things. And I mean, if we have people listening right now that have had weird symptoms, things that they can't get figured out, any type of ache or pain, uh, anything, I'd love to hear about it. It's mm-hmm. always very, very interesting. Uh, it pushes me to think more find a potential answer. And like, those are the cases. That's why I love doing what I do because, you, you know, and a lot of people just dismiss those type of people, but there's 
there's tons of of listeners I'm sure that we have that have these weird symptoms, uh, can't get a right answer to it. And you know what? It's kind of like when you're in school and the teacher says, ask a question because chances are that someone else in that class mm-hmm. has the question too. Right. We ha- How many people are listening right now? Probably someone else has the same type of thing going on. And so someone asking that question, it's it's a big deal. It helps for sure. You bet. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Talking about pain as a clue to source of problems. Uh, start with, I guess, neuro first. Yeah, so I guess as healthcare professionals, what we tend to do is um, we have to do a lot of, and I've said this before, the detective work, trying yep. to figure out, okay, what, where is this coming from? What could the potential source be? Uh, and the character of the pain that people describe is a clue that we use okay. to, to determine, okay, where's the etiology? Where did this start? Uh, and so we just finished talking about in the last segment things like uh, uh, burning, uh, numbness, tingling, pins and needles sensations, that points us towards a neurological type of issue. So we we now start thinking, okay, something in the nerves, the spinal cord or the brain, any type of okay. nerve tissue. Then you can have things like a lot of people will come in and say they have a dull ache. They don't really describe it as I have pain. They'll say I have a dull ache. When you're dealing with dull ache type of stuff, and again, this is all generalized. It can be different, but as a general rule, the dull ache type of stuff, you tend to look more at musculature. So, you know, soft tissue is probably causing that type of pain. Uh, the other thing we find with people who are experiencing muscular issues versus um, neurological issues or, um, you know, an actual problem like a tear or something right. is they, they aren't really able to pinpoint the pain. It's incredible. I always say to people, show me like with your hand, show me where your knee hurts or your back hurts. And you can already tell when they point specifically to a place and they say right here, they're pointing right at the spot, you know, okay, they're pointing to the structure. There's a specific structure there that's causing the pain. And that makes you think, okay, this is a local issue versus when they kind of will, you know, well, it kind it's of around hurts. Yeah, here. it's around this area. It's, it's kind of all around here. Now that's when you start start thinking of, of referral pain, muscular pain, uh, even radicular pain, which is the nerve type of pain. People that have sciatica or issues, they can trace it right out. They'll draw the nerve. They'll say it starts here in my neck really, eh? and it comes down, down the arm, back, back around here, the elbow into, blah, blah, blah. and into yeah. these specific fingers. That's a nerve issue. That's a radicular pain um, versus people with referred pain. They'll just kind of say, well, I, I don't know. It's kind of in my arm. And so now from a detective standpoint for us as practitioners, we're able to start deductively uh, looking at, okay, wh- what's actually causing this problem? 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Thomas, how are you? Not bad, yourself? Good, sir. What's uh, what's going on with you? Um, I, I would say maybe once a week, sometimes a little bit more. Uh, I'll wake up in the morning and my wrist will be a little, little much in pain, but my pinky and my ring finger will be numb. Okay. And sometimes uh, a few more fingers. Yep. I just, I, like, I've never really gone to the doctor for it or anything like that, but uh, hearing... You're hearing a show, I made me call it and think about it. Good. Yeah. Um, when did this start? Uh, I would say four or five months ago. Okay. And how old are you? I'm 24. Okay. So you're still relatively young. So yeah. one of the biggest things that we do tend to hear in practice is this type of uh, description where people say, I wake up with numbness and tingling. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, if we all think back to when we were in elementary school and we had something going on in the auditorium and we sat cross-legged, what would happen? Your legs would fall asleep, pins and needles, because you're putting pressure on the nerve. Now, 
it's very hard to say, obviously, without assessing Thomas, whether this is a true issue. But a lot of the times what happens when you're sleeping is there's a couple things. If your spine, and especially the neck in something like this where you're talking about the hands, because the, the nerves in the hands come from the neck. If your neck is not in a neutral position, so what I mean by that, let's say you sleep on your left side, but you put way too many pillows and your head's kind of tilted to the right, you're now going to put pressure on those nerves and that's going to affect the nerve all the way down. He, uh, Thomas is describing uh, in the pinky and in the ring finger, which yeah. is the ulnar nerve distribution. Uh, so there's the median nerve, the radial nerve, and the ulnar nerve. The median nerve is the one that's often associated with carpal tunnel. It, okay. it is the one that goes through the carpal tunnel. And then the ulnar nerve... Uh, so what happens is, again, he might be also sleeping in a way a lot of people tend to put hands under their head or whatever, and they got their hand in a weird position. And so now, again, if you're doing anything where you're putting extra pressure on that nerve, similar to when you're sitting cross-legged, then all of a sudden you're going to start experiencing that numbness, that tingling. Uh, and it's and it's not necessarily due to, like, say, a disc herniation or anything like that, but just the fact that maybe you're sleeping in a weird way. Now we, we start to think, that's why I asked him, when did this start? And he said a couple months ago, Thomas, have you changed your sleeping patterns in the last uh, few months? Yes, and uh, you know what? <laughs> you kind of hit home. I would say I started sleeping on my side with an extra pair. So. There you go, right? So, <laughs> nice. so that's the deductive reasoning, right? If he had said, this is something that's been going on for years, now all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, it's probably something more than just the way he's sleeping. But right. the fact that he says it started four months, and then you can ask, did you change something you were doing while sleeping? Well, it's probably the way you're sleeping. I would say the, the biggest key is make sure you got enough pillows to kind of keep your spine neutral. Yeah, and maybe go back to the way you were, see if it changes. Yes, right? see then if it you changes, for sure. exactly. Yeah, for sure. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Just that simple. Give us a call. want to hear what's going on with you. The Dr. Payne Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. It is 1225, the Dr. Payne Show, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You can go to info at paincarecanada.com. Talk to Dr. Luke at a free consultation happening. Got uh, Nancy here on the line. Good afternoon, Nancy. Hi. Hi. Um, I uh, am, am being treated for um, veins that have um, stopped doing their job, particularly in my lower left leg. Um and uh, so I get a lot of shooting pain, but I also have, as a sort of as a result or in conjunction with, I've got ulcers on that leg, and they won't heal because I, I can't get a venous uh, good venous flow. Right. Um, so my legs are wrapped. Okay. Um, uh, and uh, yet I, um, I I can't get satisfaction out of out of some kind of pain treatment. Now I'm I have a pacemaker, so I'm on an um, uh, you know what I mean. So um, are, are you, uh, Nancy, are you diabetic as well by any chance? No. You're not no. diabetic. So this no. is a venous issue in uh, in the left leg particularly, you said? Yes. And yes. you're also getting pins and needles? Um, not so much pins and needles. Sharp, sharp, short, sharp pains. Okay. Uh, but uh, just constant throbbing and... Uh, uh, a never-ending uh, ache. And so, and now you said that you also have a pacemaker. So I'm assuming there's some type of heart disease going on as well, like some uh, I, things going I on. I have atrial fibrillation. Okay. And so I'm on Xeralto, and so that limits um, what I can take in terms of medications. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's definitely an issue with peripheral vascular. Um, distribution of the blood to the limbs if there's something inhib like inhibiting the the blood from getting to and back 
from the leg, then the legs will tend to swell. Mm-hmm. Um, the the skin will start to crack. You'll start to lose hair. Uh, the nail I changes. Done that yet. You haven't gone that far. So, what types no. of things are you getting? Like, how are they treating it right now? Well, I'm I'm wrapped. Um, okay. Uh, from the the toes through to the knee, and then uh, um, the ulcers. Uh, I have two main large ulcers on that leg. I get them treated every three days. I go to the um, CCAC uh, nurses. And, are you, are you immobile? Like, are you not moving around a lot, Nancy? On, well, I'm moving as much as I can, but it's very painful to move. Right. So, how did the ulcers originally develop? Uh, you, you won't believe what I'm going to tell you. Um, the, the first ulcer started out as I believe as a mosquito bite. Oh wow! And the and the second one, I um, I ran into a jagged edge of a tree branch when I was working in the garden. Right. Um, but what I, what happened uh, was that uh, they would get a scab on them, and then the legs swelled so badly mm-hmm. uh, that it would crack the the um, scab open, and uh, and then it would reform, but it just kept getting right. larger and larger. Yeah, and, and that does make sense. See, the issue when there's um, poor blood flow in an area is blood is what actually yeah. allows us to heal. A lot of yeah. even what well, we do with... the arterial flow, uh, it's the venous flow. The venous flow, but that's just as important because the arterial flow is bringing the blood and the venous flow yes. has to take yeah. it back. So that's taking right. the waste away, uh, and the yeah. arterial flow is bringing the oxygen, all the good stuff. So they're both equally important. Uh, but what happens in areas like that, when you do have that peripheral vascular issue with the blood flow, um, is that area of the body will not heal as well. So you, a normal person who gets a mosquito bite in an area with good uh, vascular flow is going to heal normally. In Mm -hmm. fact, a lot of the treatment that we do, even when I've seen people with, say, uh, you know, back pain, we'll use things like laser therapy uh, in order to increase the blood flow to that area to help the body heal itself. Uh, yeah, so well, it's, I think that's well, why I'm wrapped is to try and increase the flow. And, yeah, well, they want to try to keep the, the venous. See, the thing with the legs is blood tends to pool in the legs because yeah, of gravity. And so yeah. the whole idea behind wrapping them is to add pressure so that the venous flow uh, can keep going uh, the other way. Oh, wow. It sounds like yeah. they're doing the right things. Uh, it, yeah, and, I, and I believe they are, too. Yeah. I, I think uh, I've had um, I can't have um, an MRI because of the pacemaker. Right. Uh, but yeah. they did do an ultrasound, so he has a, a small sense of what it looks like inside. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I and I think that uh, that I'm being well cared for, except I can't manage the pain. Yeah, well, the pain, you see, the thing is, is pain is always an end result of a problem going on. So until you yeah. get that issue controlled, like swelling is going to hurt, right? Like that's what pain is. A lot of pain is no inflammation. Uh, and no so, uh, you know, painkillers, things like that probably aren't going to do much for you uh, just because of the very fact that, you know, how can it possibly help if that's not the root cause of the problem? So uh, I think the things that they're doing, uh, it sounds like you're getting the right things. Uh, If you like, give me a call uh, after the show. We can set up a consultation where I can uh, discuss this further with you. But yeah, it sounds like all the right things are being done. It's It's a complex case, a lot of comorbidities going on, and those things are never easy. Nancy, that, that number one eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou, for you as well. You want to call in? Uh, tell us what's on your mind. You got some issues. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Star six forty on cell. Doctor Payne Show continues. Talk radio. AM six forty. Twelve thirty three. Doctor Payne Show. Yeah, call that number. Free consultation. Uh, start getting the uh, the healing happening with Doctor Lou. Got uh, Tim on the line. Hey Tim, how you doing? Good pal. What's uh, what's going on with you? 
I'm not, it's actually um, with regards to my wife. Uh, she she gets um, a constant pain in both of her wrists. Uh, you know, in, in her youth, she worked um, in the, the food industry and that, and I think uh, that might have uh, exacerbated the issues. But every now and then, like, uh, she gets massive constant pain in both of her wrists. She can't, like, open jars. She can't uh, use knives. And the only way for it to, to kind of get the, the, the pain to go away is to kind of put, like, those uh, braces uh, on, on her wrists. And after a while, like, and it kind of goes away but then it will come back and i'm wondering if there's uh you know to what how to go about uh uh correcting it whether it should go through uh you know a chiropractor or going through an osteopath to get a better diagnosis and to, if, if there's any if there's any things she can do in terms of like strengthening exercises to kind of minimize the the pain but it would uh, just to kind of give it me a, a you know a direction to kind of help us yeah. to have to go about with a proper diagnosis and what he would recommend yeah, for sure. I think you you hit it on the head right there. The first step is the proper diagnosis because, again, we have to figure out, okay, what's potentially causing that wrist pain? Um, it sound, like it's very hard to say. It, it, so the things that tend to bother it are opening jars? Yeah, opening jars, like handling knives. So anything where that she has to make kind of a grip, I'm assuming? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so it's sounding like it could be a muscular issue. Um is she, can you describe your wife's body frame, like small, petite type of thing, or, or not really? I'm thinking the only reason why I'm asking is if she's hypermobile, she may have a lot of mobility in her joints, and th- that tends to make the muscles a little bit weaker. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it's not, she's not uh, petite or anything like that, just kind of normal, uh, okay. normal body frame. Have, have you noticed that her joints tend to be hypermobile? Like if she extends her elbow, does it stay neutral, or does she have kind of that... Uh, um, you know, extra little bit of hyperextension. Um, it's, yeah, she really doesn't like, like when she's extending her joints, and she's never really complained of, of joint pain issues. It's really just more uh, a less of just kind of doing things like, you know, just kind of any type of, uh, when she's um, moving her wrists kind of like, in, I, what I would say is, norm, you know, anything normal. But it's the minute that she's directly doing something that will, uh, impact uh, how how she's using her wrist. That's when uh, all of a sudden she, she'll complain about the pain and it will stay around for a few days until she really tries to uh, relax it. And, yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, you're right. You The first step is you got to get it looked at properly, get a good diagnosis in terms of uh, the best people to do that. I would definitely lean more towards a chiropractor, someone who has that doctor knowledge uh, for neuromusculoskeletal issues, uh, very regulated profession versus osteopathy is not as regulated in Ontario. Uh, so uh, I would definitely tend to stick towards regulated professions anytime you're looking at doing something. So someone like a chiropractor or a physiotherapist who's proficient uh, in neuromusculoskeletal issues is going to be the right person mm-hmm. to look at it. The other thing when you go to these types of uh, people, you also want to look at some practitioners are more wellness-based where they're uh, – you know, treating more the spine, et cetera, versus uh, someone who's more pain-based. Tim, give me a call. We have a network of providers across Ontario. I can help set you up with somebody that I think uh, would be good to have uh, take a look at your wife's wrist and get you the right answers. Thank you so much. No problem. Take care. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate that. Number one eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou. So, yeah, we were talking about uh, pain, characters of pain. 
And the source problem, you got down to sharp pains as well, too, right? Yeah, sharp pains tend to indicate uh, a local type of issue where someone can actually say, my neck hurts right here, and they're pointing to a specific spot. Uh, that's where you start to think it might be a local issue versus, as I was saying, the the general, oh, it kind of hurts in this area. That's where you have to start looking at joints above and below, you know, what could potentially be causing this, the muscular issues. Uh, some of the other things that we'll tend to look at it, and a good example was the person we were just talking to with when does the pain happen? Right. So start talking to people about their lives, like, okay, have you noticed a certain time of the day, like first thing in the morning, like we just mm-hmm. spoke about? Because then it might be related to something that they're doing while they're sleeping. A lot of the times what you hear with a lot of, especially back issues, uh, I tend to hear it's worse at the end of my work day. Uh, and so it's like, well, what are you doing during your workday? I'm sitting all day. And so now you start to to deductively uh, identify, okay, what are the contributing factors here? That's the same type of person that anytime someone tells me it hurts at the end of the workday the most, right. I'll always ask, are you off on the weekends? Yes. How's your back on the weekends? Oh, it tends to be fine because they're moving around. They're probably not sitting for eight hours straight. So the intervention becomes a lot of um, occupational type of therapy intervention where we're now making recommendations on what to do at the desk, uh, how often to be taking breaks, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, other things you want to look at are aggravating factors. So uh, that will tip you off towards what's going on. Okay, so what types of things are aggravating this, sh- this issue? Oh, you know, I notice if I walk a long right. period of time, uh, my back tends to feel worse. So now you start understanding, okay, once the muscles are under strain, the back's starting to hurt, uh, it's going to be different than if they said, oh, it's a, it's more often when I sit. In fact, with walking, it's interesting. With a lot of low back issues, I'll tend to hear that sitting seems to aggravate. Uh, but a lot of people say, you know, but once I get up, I get moving and I'm walking, it's fine. That's usually an indication that it's a decon- deconditioning problem. So Maybe that... Not. Yeah, meaning that the muscles aren't healthy in terms of a conditioning standpoint. So the person probably doesn't have good endurance in the muscle so that when they're sitting and the muscles have to be active to keep you sitting straight, um, they're not just doing the right job. They're not utilizing oxygen the same way. But then as they get moving, they start doing things. They warm up the tissue. We've talked about this before, that keeping tissues warm allows them to function at a better standpoint. That's also the same type of person that tends to say, I get moving and it feels better. If I put heat on it, it feels better. Anything in that will start to tend to be a deconditioning issue. And so now our intervention becomes very much exercise rehabilitation. What types of exercises can we show this person to increase their core and their low back strength so that they have good conditioning uh, throughout all the things that they have to do in their day-to-day lives? Um, onset, right? That That's a big thing. When when did this pain start? You know, if someone says, oh, I have low back pain and it started after I fell off a ladder. Well, you know, you probably you can pinpoint it. Yeah, you can pr- pretty much pinpoint <clears throat> that versus when people start. A lot of the times people will say, I'm not really sure. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't mean and most oftentimes healthcare professionals will hear a person say, I'm not sure. And then they'll use the term insidious, which means that okay, we don't know how this pain started. But you can't rely on a patient to just say, I'm not sure. That's where you now need to poke and prod. And it's like, okay, well, when did you first use notice this? Oh, about three months ago. Can you remember anything three months ago? No, not really. Did anything change in your life three months ago? Uh, I did get a new car. Okay, well, now we start to identify maybe it's the way the seat is set up or I got a new job or I started working out, et cetera, et cetera. So onset matters a lot towards, um, okay, what may be potentially... Because finding the root cause is going to help us to find the proper treatment. It's really right? like peeling away the the, the, yeah, the, the layers of detect, an onion, right? It's detective work. Big That's time. what it is. Yeah, yeah. for sure. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. 
you got issues, we want to hear about them, uh, whatever it is, pain, discomfort, joints, all that stuff. Answer it for the next 20 minutes here on the Dr. Payne Show Talk Radio, AM 640. Yeah, you got about 50 minutes to call through and talk to us. Uh, other than that, when we're off the air, one 855 Dr. Lou or info at paincarecanada.com. Get that free consultation hooked up and get on the road to uh, to wellness. Let's talk about car accidents a bit. Yeah, sure. After a car accident, what do we do? Yeah, so uh, definitely the most important thing after a car accident, especially most car accidents are going to be, you know, if you haven't been taken away by the ambulance to a hospital, it's probably because it was it was a minor fender bender. So there's nothing serious going on in terms of life-threatening, but that doesn't mean that there's going to be no musculoskeletal right. issues. Uh, so get get into a clinic. And I know even when we've had Savannah on the show, and he'll tell you, you, you talk to your insurance adjuster and they're giving you a preferred provider yeah. of insurance clinic may not be the best place to be going uh you know and some of them are good i i don't know i'm not saying uh whether they're good or not good but you know i think as a citizen you're entitled to choose where you want to go if you have a place that you trust go to that place get treated especially if they deal with it most clinics tend to deal uh with car accidents but get it looked at, get it treated right away, get the proper treatment, get the proper documentation. Very, very important. I would encourage anybody that's been in a car accident, uh, even if you just want to have a talk with me, not to come to my clinic, nothing. Mm-hmm. Just give me a call. Mm-hmm. Let's see if I can help you out. Make sure you do the right things for sure. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell here uh, this afternoon. Got uh, Ryan on the line. Hi, Ryan. Hey, how are you? Good, pal. What's going on with you? Not too bad. Uh got a... Bit of a strange, and I wouldn't say strange, but a, it's not a constant pain, mm-hmm. but it's from my wrist, and it's almost, it's all, it's only on my right side, and it's almost the, I don't know how you describe it, the the ball joint to the side of your wrist, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, on of, on which side? So near the, the right pinky? Side, so, yeah, the pinky yeah. side. Okay. The knob there. So what, yeah, so what happens is, you know, I type a lot during the day, and every once in a while, I, you, you kind of get that pain. Between your pinky and your finger, where you feel like you have to open up your hand a bit. Yep. But I also notice when I'm playing hockey. Mm-hmm. If you know hockey, I play defense. So if I go to poke check someone, mm-hmm. and the the kind of the force of it hits the wrist there when you're you're kind of making the contact really sure. kind of aggravates it and kind of sends it into the forearm a bit. Okay. Yeah. So it's something that never really ever goes away, but it's not a it's not a pain. You know what I mean? It's more of a aggravation. Yeah, and you just kind of have, you know, you open up your hands a couple of times and try to flex it out a bit, but it never seems to ever really go away. Right, yeah. On that side of the hand, um, it sounds like it could be. I'm not 100% sure because, again, I'm not looking at it, but based on what you're describing, it sounds like it could be a TFCC issue, which is just uh, a long name for a piece of cartilage in Mm -hmm. between... uh, the ulna on that side and the carpal bones. Uh, it's similar to a meniscus like in the knee. And sometimes that that piece of cartilage can get aggravated, move the wrong way and become a nuisance. The thing about the TFCC syndrome uh, is it's something that doesn't really get diagnosed a lot. It exists and it's a big source of people's pain, but we don't hear a lot about it. We just tend to hear about carpal tunnel or sprain, strain, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But the way you would treat a TFCC is very, very different. Uh, and I would encourage you, give me a call. Let's set up a time if you can to come into the clinic. I, we should take a look at it or I can find someone uh, closer to you who can take a look at it for sure. Because if it is that, it needs to be treated the right way and not just like any other wrist issue or they tend to linger and become a big nuisance for sure. Yeah, Ryan, that's one 855 doctor Lou. You want to set up a consultation there. Uh, hi, Debbie. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi. Um, I have one of the weird ones. 
I'm mm-hmm. calling for my sister. Okay. She's in her 60s. She worked in a group home, so she's been knocked around a couple times. Mm-hmm. And so she's had, you know, back issues and neck issues. Um, the past couple months, she's been getting food caught in her throat. Okay. And so they did the swallow test, and the doctor said it looks like the muscles in her right side of her neck there weren't working properly. Okay. So um, now my mom did have Parkinson's, so it was kind of a worry. So she has, mm-hmm. uh, she just went for an MRI and all that. But I'm just wondering if that could be caused from the neck injury. Yeah, potentially. Um, when you look at things like swallowing, um, most of the neurology towards the muscles for swallowing, mastication, et cetera, et cetera, actually come from the brainstem, not necessarily the uh, the spinal cord and the spinal mm-hmm. nerves. The brainstem is the part of the brain just before the spinal cord. It controls a lot of vital things. Uh, so, you know, the fact that there's a history of Parkinson's, uh, things like that, this could be a motor issue going on where the muscles aren't working well. Maybe she had a mini stroke that you guys aren't aware of. Uh, but definitely if she's in the process of getting an MRI, uh, and where do you know where that MRI is going to be of her brain? Is, is that where they're doing it? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that will start to to figure out, okay, where exactly could this lesion be? Because based on things like that, when you're looking at problem swallowing, like one of the things too that we look for in our office would say like a stroke in progress right. is does the person, are they slurring their speech? Are they in, uh, unable to swallow properly? Those types of things. Because that's related more to brainstem mm-hmm. and brain issues versus the neck issues. It's not impossible that it's uh-huh. a, a neck issue, but definitely I would say the more important thing on that regard is is looking at the brainstem in the brain and making sure that there's no lesions due to any type of neurodegenerative disorder or something like a transient ischemic attack, which is a mini stroke. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. Thank you very much. This is the first time I caught your program. It's very informative. Yeah, I, I could see you're actually appreciate calling it. from Buffalo, right? Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it, Debbie. Appreciate you very much. Uh, any more information, again, one eight five 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 doctor Lou and info at paincarecanada.com. We'll take a, a short break and in another segment here on the Dr. Payne Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. That is it, one eight five 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 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, and to call us here for the next uh, few minutes, uh, 416-870-6400, star 640. On the cell, Jenna, good afternoon. Yeah. Yes, thank you, Dr. Liu. Um, I was diagnosed uh, with um, carpal tunnel, and this was about four years ago. Okay. And I'm five foot two. I'm petite, and mm-hmm. um, about 128 pounds. Okay. I'm not sure if that's what I just heard you uh, asking. Yeah. About. It, okay. It do, does okay. help to understand body okay. frame for sure. So I've noticed this ever since I got a dog, and you know, I'm vigorously drying him, or you know, when you're holding onto the leash, or. Yep. Um, uh, driving, I'll notice my hands completely go numb. I'll sure. have to pull over to the side. Okay. So I was diagnosed actually with um, carpal tunnel, and they did the test at the end of the fingers to, I guess, determine the blood flow. Yep. And the, and our, my family doctor said, well, you don't want to damage the nerves, so they were suggesting surgery. But I didn't hear from you whether, if in fact you do diagnose it as carpal tunnel, then how would you be addressing the issue if in fact? Let's say, for example, you do diagnose it as as carpal tunnel. Right. Okay, so then there's a couple things you have to look at is 
the next thing, carpal tunnel is a, is a sign essentially, is, is not really a diagnosis. So in terms of a functional diagnosis. So what I mean by that is, as an example, carpal tunnel tends to be uh, very common in pregnant women because of swelling of the median nerve within the carpal tunnel, right? So mm-hmm. you keeping that wrist stable doesn't really do much because the nerve itself is swelling. Same type of thing can happen in diabetes. It sounds like with you, it's actually due to the movement of the wrist. The first thing that I would say to you is if, because you've said two particular things, you've said that walking your dog and driving seem to uh, aggravate the issue. Now, my. Uh, sorry, can I interrupt? In addition to other activities. Sure, for sure. For example, I notice when I'm sleeping, mm-hmm. I have to turn back and forth so many mm-hmm. times, especially when I'm on my shoulder. And then when I get up, I, I, it seems to be relieved that have when you, I'm getting up ha- and I'm moving. Have you used a brace at all for your wrist to keep yes, your. Yes, I have. They, they provided that with the steel bar. Yep. And that gave me a, quite a lot of relief in the beginning. Now I think I'm immune to it. It's not doing anything. Now, for me. do you wear it, for example, when you're driving or when you're walking your dog? No, she said just wear it uh, during sleep, and that's it. Right, So, and that's fine for the during the sleep component, but now let's assume when you're driving, you've got your hand extended. Your hand is in an extension posi- position on the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. Try wearing that brace for things like, um, you know, walking your dog and driving so that it keeps your wrist in neutral. See mm-hmm. if that eliminates your problem. If that's eliminating your problem, it's due to the range of motion component mm-hmm. of your wrist, and then that just means in order is surgery going to fix that? Maybe not. What will fix it is you being cognizant of keeping your wrist in a neutral position. Because a lot of the times as we do things, we tend to put our wrist in extension or extreme flexion, and that puts pressure on the nerve. But if you keep the wrist straight, it's the same thing when I give people advice on using a keyboard. When you just rest your arms and you extend your wrist to type, you're now putting that nerve under pressure and you're going to create carpal tunnel. What you actually should do is not rest your arms and keep your wrist in a neutral position. It's a little bit hard for me to describe over the radio. Um, Mm -hmm. Give me a call. I see you're in Toronto, so you're you're local. Uh, We can take a look at it and I can actually show you the things that I'd like you to do uh, and see if that eliminates your problem. And if it does, it's just a matter of maybe strengthening issues to keep your wrist in neutral, et cetera, et cetera. And you may not have to go... Exercises, right? Yeah. And you may not have to go as far as surgery. Okay, and also, Dr. Lou, I'd like to ask you, so yep. you would be doing a full diagnosis, like you said, about the neck yep. and, and, and the shoulder to determine where this is coming from, because I may be assuming uh, sure. You know, yeah, no, no. Have... Every single person that I see, you okay. could tell me I've been diagnosed by carpal tunnel by 15 other people, and I'm going to start and check every single thing that could Excellent. potentially cause that symptom, because that's my job. See, we always take any good healthcare professional will take into consideration what another healthcare professional has done, but it's okay. my license on the line when I'm treating you, so I'm going to start from scratch, and I'm okay. going to look at every potential cause to that problem. Well, that's fine. I like to come and visit your clinic. Awesome. Definitely. Give us a call. Jenna, that number 1-855-55-DR-LOU or info at paincarecanada.com. you got another minute or so. Some final thoughts leading into the holiday. Yeah, I mean, I guess the biggest thing uh, that I'd like to say is challenge people, the people that are listening, friends and family that they have that, you know, one of the things, the biggest reasons why I want to do this, this show is because there's so many people out there living with pain and they just accept it as part of their life. And it doesn't have to be part of their life. There are solutions to these issues. Uh, and, you know, I'm not suggesting that every person that has pain, can it be cured, but it can definitely be managed to a point where it's not affecting the quality of your life. And we've talked about this a lot. Pain is one of those things that does not necessarily affect the quantity of life. You're not, it's not going to hinder how long you live, but it will 
affect how well you right. live, and that should not be the case. There are things that we can do to help you live well and pain-free. In the meantime, our next show will be on New Year's Eve. How about that? one 855 doctor Lou is that number, or info at paincarecanada.com. It's been the Dr. Payne Show, Talk Radio, AM 640.